Hey y'all, I'm Sheena Quick. Bash Ty Hurt. And we are excited to be bringing you guys our new podcast, Quick Blitz, on the Riot Network. Each week, we'll be bringing you sports from our perspective as women and also as insiders who cover the team. So be on the lookout. New episodes will drop every Wednesday. So make sure you guys find us wherever you get your podcast. to a one-day contract to join the show. One-day contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow the Riot Network on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Football's back, so are all new episodes. Subscribe, rate, and love us on iTunes. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, and can't decide which bandwagon he wants to jump on board, the Blazers or Omar Bayless. You love First of all, Rip City, Rip City till I die. Obviously, huge Portland Trailblazers fan. I have been ever since I placed a $25 bet on them to win the Western Conference uh, at 60 to 1. And um, I can definitely name more than five guys on their roster. Um, and, and I'm really excited. And then also, you know, what would training camp be without a – wide receiver that everyone falls in love with that is in every single training camp recap is in all the highlight films and then inevitably like makes the practice squad and everybody freaks out because they're not starting over Curtis Samuel. It's Kiera, It's Kiaris in the long line of Kiaris Garrett, Bug Howard. I bring to you Omar Bayless, who <laughs> I think has a real chance to make the roster really been impressing in camp. On a scale of one to man hurts, like where does he rank in your love uh, level? I, I made a heart with my hands uh, that way. From Cam Cam to man hurts. Um, <laughs> I'd say he's about a 17. That's what number he wears. <laughs> very, very well done. See, I um, skirted other, the question. <laughs> our other BFF with us as always, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report has been injecting training camp observations directly into his veins all morning, and he is ready for action. Hello, and good afternoon, evening, morning, everyone. I just realized we're doing a podcast for the first time. I'm going to slip into a British accent as I attempt to bail myself out of this quickly. Don't look at me like this. I'm I'm doing an impression of you at the moment, Josh. I have a very important question for you. I I know we're going to do uniform talk later, but I, we saw the new Space Jam uniforms that have come out. Did you guys oh, see these? Great question. Okay. Uh, my, my question is not actually about the uniform, but in the final moments of the last game, does LeBron A, make a shot, B, dunk, C, pass to the open man for the shot, D, pass to a tune who has never made a bucket but makes the game winner because LeBron never stopped believing in him, or E, rests on the bench because he got the squad a 20-point lead in the third quarter and he doesn't need to play in crunch time. Wow. Um, I did not know there was going to be math, but I will say that the thing is is that it feels like E is a bit of an anticlimactic end to a movie. Is just him sitting on the bench. Um, I do like him passing to a tune, uh, but in – if we if we can utilize any of his history, he's going to pass that tune, and then he's going to miss the shot, uh, Caruso style. 
and um but he will but all but at the end of the at the end of that movie they're just going to run over the credits they're going to have uh pundits talking about how he had the first triple double in Toon Squad history and nobody scored more points than LeBron but unfortunately they did lose to the uh uh Monstars well done Blazers Josh well eight done seed Monstars Josh. eight seed Rip Monstars. City Josh in the building I appreciate it Rip City Josh has been a Blazers fan since day one, or day, I, I can't even do Rex the math. How many numbers? Day one of the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Day one of the bubble. Let's bring our guest in. On the one-day contract this week, Elena Getzenberg, beat writer for the Charlotte Observer, and just happy to be out of the sun after only the first few days of training camp. Welcome, Elena. Hello. Thanks for having me. I will say, like, it hasn't been that hot, but, but, you know, it's nice to get a break in between. Yesterday was pretty hot, so I'll take the break. It's not, like, Spartanburg hot, but it is, like, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't stood in one place in the sun for two hours in a year, probably, because that was the last time that we did it was at training camp. And so it's, like, when you're just standing there, gets heat, you heat up. Yeah, yeah, and they have us in a spot that, like, the sun seems to directly hit, like, at the time of day we're there. So, it's it's the probably, you know, of the temperature, it's not that hot out, but, like, where we're standing, it feels really hot. So, yes, today's a day off, so I'm glad to have a break from that. Oh, media members complaining about the heat. Training camp is back, everybody! We're here! And yes! Ah, oh, feel it. Just pump it into the veins. And we got to make sure that there's a, that there's some sort of like reference to the heat in every sort of observation or update column. Like, hey, quick, it was a, a ball on a balmy day on the practice field, or like, oh, Christian McCaffrey was real sweaty. But you can guess which reporter types that kind of stuff. But I went to uh, Google Images today just to just to see the Gaffney Peach a couple times. You know, mm -hmm. just just little things, little things. It's true. Like uh, yeah, you you don't you miss out on the white bean chili talk talk from uh, from Spartanburg. It's uh it's it's a shame, but you know what? We're getting back. It's preseason for all of us, so it takes a little bit of time for us to get into. We don't have the benefit of um of four preseason games to ramp up, so we're all we're all getting there slowly but surely. It's a process. You got to trust that process. Trust the process. How is that working out, by the way, for? the 76ers trusting the process i wouldn't know i only watched the western conference well they stopped trusting the process and started trusting a dookie and you see where it's getting them <laughs> well before we get to training camp talk we're going to start with nikki's super important question with kids back in school sort of kind of virtually and um this this will circle back with the game later in the show i want to hear about your high school self Tell me about oh, no. yourself in high school. Give me, big dog, paint me a picture of uh, the medium-sized dog when you were like 16. Did you, did you hear? I don't know if I was far enough back from the mic when I said, when I mumbled, oh no, to myself when you <laughs> asked about high school. Um, I wouldn't say I was cool uh, in high school. But what I would say is that um, by the time I hit senior year, I had grown my hair into an afro or a jufro, as we like to call it. And, um, and I did have a little bit more uh, cachet around the halls because, you know, when you have a signature hairstyle, people tend to notice you. 
So then it was like, okay, so there that that's not just like the dorky kid that likes drama. It's the dorky kid that likes drama with the Jufro. So that was kind of where I was at in high school. Very popular in Jewish youth group, though. So you became the <laughs> dorky kid with a gimmick. <laughs> yeah, gotta have that gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Let me, when I was at, when I was at South Mech, it, we were such a swagless school that it was cooler to be a, a part of the West Charlotte band than it was to play football for South Mech. Uh, we were really good at soccer at Myers Park. Mustangs! <laughs> Elena, did you know this was the kind of podcast that you were signing up for? <laughs> I was hoping maybe we'd skip Elena when it came to answering this question. Um, I was not cool in high school, like, at at all. I, like, look exactly the same as I do now. I do not age, which I guess is a good thing. Um, but, yeah, I was not cool. I was, like... Just did my homework and seems like a running theme here on one day contract. <laughs> Weird how that worked out. That yeah, we're all like, no sports, nothing cool about me. So that yeah. Yeah. Nikki I don't want to get too deep into it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you all were cool. Come on. I went to a very tiny mountain high school in the Appalachian Mountains where I graduated with like 80 people. So everybody kind of had to do everything. So I played sports, but I was also a mathlete. <laughs> mm. um, yes. And I was in the band, the marching band, color guard and all that. So I, I did kind of a little bit of everything. So I wasn't cool. I wasn't a, a, a nerd. But you did a little bit of everything. I did it all. I was just tired. That's what I was. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> I was in Little Shop of Horrors. So no big deal. Probably just, probably just <laughs> hanging out, watching my blazies during high school. Is there a video of that? A me? Oh, no, never mind. Uh, I would rather not say. No, there is not. No, there. No, there is not. We now know what we need to do the next week. <laughs> Just gonna go to YouTube real quick. Make sure. Make sure, mom that didn't believe in her son a little too much didn't get a hold of this tape. <laughs> I'm gonna be texting Renee and see what she knows about all this. She's gotta have something, right? It's a good show. I like that little shop. I do like little shop. Can you give us anything? A little? No, yeah. I cannot. No, no, I cannot. <laughs> Come on, Seymour. Unfortunately, no, no. Well, the thing is, I was not Seymour. If I was Seymour, then that would be a whole different story. I was Mr. Mushnick, obviously, you know. This is definitely not making the edit because I do have editing powers and I can just cut it off. <laughs> Speaking of the death chart. Coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it wouldn't be talking about high school if it wasn't awkward, right? That's just part of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right. I would definitely used to describe my high school experience. So mm -hmm. that's awkward all around party of four. All right, let's jump into training camp. Start with, let's just talk about impressions first. Kind of talk about what you guys are seeing with the differences between a rule and a Rivera practice. I mean, I can... You've yeah, seen go more ahead. practices than I have, Josh. But, um, I mean, I think the thing that we're hearing a lot about and that, like, everyone's talking probably too much about is, like, how fast it moves, um, which I think, you know, is something that comes from Rule's college background. I mean, it's all he's coached, really. So, I think it moves really fast. I mean, they're always, like, it seems like they're always doing something. There's not, like, a ton of downtime. 
Um, but it's still early. It's been hard. Like each day has been different too. There's not like so much of a formula to it. It seems it's like more change and that might, we might get a better sense of that as time goes on, but the speed is what has been the talk of the town. So got, got to have, well, it's like, it is one of those things where it's like once, once you gets latched onto that, it's like Matt rule practice fast moves fast. And then it's like, I mean, it does, it moves fast. Like, but it doesn't, it's not like they're, it's not like the roadrunner out there, you know, like they're, they're still practicing football. Um, but I will say that there is the thing about the Ron Rivera practice that this is different is that Ron Rivera practice have felt like all uh, was on like a slow, steady incline towards the end where there would be one, one big period at the end, especially during training camp. Um, like where it would be either goal line or red zone or 11 on 11 or two minute drill. Like there would be something that they would all build towards. And then that would be the end of practice. Whereas at the Matt rule practice, it feels like they're not that, that they're doing team stuff like immediately there. And then they're bouncing back out and they're finishing up with like special teams. It does feel like, and I, I can't speak to seeing a ton of college football practices, but it feels a little bit college like a college football practice. Like they're, they're moving around a lot. They're doing, uh, you know, they will, you know, when they make, when they make mistakes, uh, they have to drop and do pushups. Um, there's a lot of yelling. Obviously the music has been some sort of weird big deal around the fan base. Um, it's, it does feel, it has a new school feel to it. And I don't know whether, and I think we're obviously we're going to be able to tell, once the season starts and once they actually play football, like whether it works, um, whether it is a successful way to run your practice or to run your team. But it does feel like Matt rule has said it before that he wants like fun practices. He likes football and he wants his guys to like football too. So there is, there is that element of like, there are times when it's like, this does seem like fun. When you guys, you guys talk about the speed real quick. Like, is, is it more like intermingling or is it like groups doing like shorter bursts of drills kind of within each group. Like when you guys talk about the speed of movement, what, what exactly are we talking about? For me, one thing that stands out is like they're all like they move between things like really quickly. Mm -hmm. I think like they'll jump from doing one thing to doing another. Like there's no, in there's no like, so you're not slowly walking to go do a position drill. Like it seems like there's not a lot of downtime in between. It's pretty much you do this and then this and then this. Um, but I will say something I'm trying to take into account with these practices is these may not be like next year. These Matt Rules training camp practices might look different if we have, assuming we have preseason games again. Like yesterday was Tuesday's practice was entirely like almost – Oh, it was a lot of like just team drills, like just. It was yeah. essentially a preseason game. Really, yeah. is what it was. Like it was, they were running. They would put the they would put the starters out there. They would do a full drive wherever the drive ended. They would then kick off, and then the second team would come out. And then once the second once that drive ended, the third team would come out. So it's like, and then obviously they were doing a lot of mixing and matching, but that that was how literally for two hours, right, Elena? Like it was. I mean, it was once they came out of the bubble, it was just team drill on team drill yeah see I, I think you you think you might be onto something about this not being a normal year because they've just got guys they need to see play I mean they, they've acknowledged this though so, so to me it's like just put them in the most realistic situation you you, you can and that's what it sounds like they, they did here I think this is more in still initial evaluation than quote-unquote Matt rules practice for his team hmm, that's yeah. a good way to think about it I've been wondering too if we're seeing like 
we haven't seen like a ton more of first team versus second or third or whatever, but I'm wondering too, like in a normal training camp, would we be seeing less of the first team than we, we've been kind of seeing out there? It's been pretty equal, but like they're doing, the first team's been out there like a good amount. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Yeah. I mean, realistically, like they're in, they're still installing plays for like, objectively, these are week, these are all practices for week one, kind of like at one point, you know, like, when Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey are out on the field, like they're practicing to, to play against the Raiders, you know, when it's, uh, when it's PJ Walker and, and Farrow Cooper, like they're trying to make the team, but the, when the ones are out there, like they're, they're practicing, they're, they're not just like, Hey, let's get into football shape guys. Um, it, it's, it, it does have that intensity and I, it's a really good way to look at it. Elena, I, I, to think about it, like rather than just like Matt rules practices are more intense. It's like, well, maybe because COVID-19, practices are a little bit more intense. That's one of the differences in this COVID world. What else are you guys seeing so far in covering camp during this time of a pandemic? Um, well, we have to go to the stadium and get COVID tested every day, um, which I complain about, not complain. Let me, let me, let me rephrase that. Um, I thought at first that I would be like, Oh my God, it's so annoying to go. But it's honestly, it's like a weight off my shoulders because it's like every day I get a negative COVID test, which is really exciting. And I feel lucky enough that I'm able to, to, uh, to get that now going there at 8am on, on an off day is not quite as exciting, but it's part of work and it's part of there. And it's the, the amount of safety precautions that they're putting the media through makes me, makes me really curious obviously not curious but uh makes me really interested to see all of the things that they're making the football players do like you get to see a little bit in the road to restart video that they're doing we heard a little bit about it we've read a little bit about it but all, but I would like to see more I would like to, I would be interested to know exactly what it's like for Teddy Bridgewater to walk into the facility because I know what it's like for me to walk in there and stand on an x 20 feet from the practice field I can't imagine what it's like for him uh, Elena, what's it been like for you as you as you've kind of come in? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where coming in, I think a lot of people thought that the players like going to the facility would be the issue or like, you know, like everyone being close together and practicing close. And to me, like the more I see it in action, there's much safer I mean, I feel like we've heard this more now, but they seem much safer at the facility than like in their own homes probably like when you think about like Matt Rule's sending his kids to school tomorrow like his kids are going to be at school the Panthers are doing far more than that school is you know like that's just the how it's going like I think everything we've seen from them in terms of the COVID related stuff has been like extra cautious obviously it's going well um but yeah I mean besides that I think it's just been weird to just you know be far away from the players and there's like a sense of like I mean there's physical distance and then that physical distance causes like a I don't know like if there's a good word for it but there's like a, it creates a different kind of distance that's like when we're interviewing and doing over zoom like it's just like there's not quite that connection as if we could walk into the locker room so yeah, I mean, besides that, it seems like it's just pretty normal. Like, it's just practicing football again, which the normalness, I think, of it once you're actually out on the field is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that is um, – I, 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 for so long, was so worried about them getting out on the field and being like, oh, man, this is going to – like, uh, outbreaks are coming. And I do think outbreaks are coming. 
but I don't think they're going to come from inside. They're not going to stem from inside the building. They're going to stem from one of their kids getting sick or, you know, or deciding to go out to Bonchon because they, they're, they're hungry or whatever. So shout out Bonchon. Um, but it's a random place to name. <laughs> they got that chicken. Sounds good. I love it. So good. Um, I mean, I'm not get- going to name names, but sorry to cut you off there, but I'm not going to name names, but I, on Instagram, there are players who are eating out at restaurants. Panthers, mm-hmm. me. <laughs> Panthers players eating out at restaurants. And like, obviously I know like there's some restaurants who are doing it very well. And like, obviously like, you do you, but like to me, whenever I see that, I like hold my breath because like, why risk it? But you know, it's gonna come from like some one of them doing something like that or their family member doing something like that. Um, but the facility has seemed fine. Yeah, it's that's the problem is like once it, it's, I feel like we've said it a bunch of times, but it's like, if somebody has it and they go in there, they're gonna take their test and they're not gonna find out for 18 hours but that's after they've already been in there breathing on everybody. So then, yeah, you have only been within six feet for 10 minutes of this many people, but then how many have they been within? It's like the, you know, the tide ad, it just goes everywhere. So it's like, it's, um, uh, it's, it, it does feel like it's going to happen at some point, but realistically, like they have, they're one of only five teams in the NFL that has not had a positive case. So they, they deserve some kudos not just for the t- not just the team, but the players themselves, because ultimately that's the that's who is going to come down with it. But I mean, it's uh, it's just it's just one of those things that's more it's it's more interesting uh, than it is like crazy. It's just kind of like yeah, okay, it's a different st- it's a different way to get in there and a different experience. But ultimately, once they are with pads and throwing the football around. It's like, eh, PJ Walker <laughs> looks inaccurate. Like that is uh, that is still happening, whether or not there's a pandemic happening outside. Sorry, PJ, if you're listening, but you are inaccurate. There's been some issues. <laughs> How has Rule been with the media? How does he seem with you guys and the cameras and reporters being there? Well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Sometimes I expected him. So what I'll say, maybe Josh, you can say if you've also picked up on this, but I, he was much, you know, I'm only saying this in reference to like our press conferences with him where like everyone's on, like he seemed a little more interested in like chatting, you know, like he was, I feel like he had a little bit of different demeanor and now it's just kind of like, obviously we've moved to every day now we're talking to him. So I think that might be a factor, but he's much more business-like, I would say. I don't know if that's just me, but that's kind of how I would describe him now. I'm curious whether he, and I, I understand Baylor is a big time football program. Temple had a nice football program, but I'm curious whether he, whether he is frustrated with how much access that they are requesting of him. Um, I don't think, and Elena, you asked him the question. I don't think he was very happy that he was filmed doing that defensive line drill. Um, I brought that, so, because that needs context, I feel like. I asked that question to start off a Zoom call after he tackled the whatever you want to call it, the tackling dummy, whatever. Um, I thought I'd start off with that because I thought he'd have fun with it. He did not have fun with it. <laughs> he, he seemed upset that it had been caught on camera, um, or at least 
maybe upset too strong, not happy that it had been caught on camera. He certainly wasn't planning for it to be on camera. Mm-hmm. And I was actually the pool rep- We said one person when they're in the practice bubble, I was the reporter in there that day. I don't think he knew I was there because it seemed like he thought he was going to kind of go under the radar in that. So that was a interesting well, I don't think he I, – I, th- I think he definitely didn't want it going out on the Panthers live stream. That's for darn sure. Like, it's one thing for you to tell people that it happened. I, I think for when it goes out on the live stream, that's not the golf competition that you had set up. That's kind of one of those things where I think he was trying to have a private moment with his team and either fire them up or, or correct them in their technique or just have fun. But ultimately, I, I don't think he was super stoked about it. And again, we're we're just reading context clues. Like I, he didn't say, "I I'm super pissed off that that got caught on camera." I'm curious, uh, Colin, when you have like seen him interact and do see the pressers, like how do you think that he is dealing uh, dealing with the media for the first couple of weeks of training camp? I, I mean, so far, and I just I have to be more more general. I don't think it's been. Um, I don't think he's been been great. I mean, you know, you've had the instance with Cam and with Gano, and you have the instance you guys were just talking about um, the, the combine. It, it feels like at times he he wants to say the right thing rather than the truth. And but if the truth is coming out, like I just don't think pretending for the day before or whatever is a good idea. I, I'm I'm more on his side though with this with the bubble stuff and the Panthers live stream thing. I'm a, I'm a keep the main thing, the main thing kind of guy when it comes to football. And Matt Rule's got a seven-year deal here, but David Tepper's shown that he's a lot, he's about a lot more than just football with what he's looking to do here. Um, if, if anything, this is, to me, the first possible, you know, pebble uh, of, of any kind of trouble because if I'm a coach, we just got done – I mean, we just got done with pandemic talk. Nobody wants to be doing pandemic talk. Uh, on this podcast, but it's an essential part of life in 2020. He's trying to get himself ready for the biggest job he's ever had and all this stuff going on and his own team's putting stuff out there that he doesn't want out there. I mean, this is the same kind of frustration Rivera had had just directed a little bit differently. In my opinion, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Matt rule on this, this most recent event. Yeah. I, I saw somebody tweet out that they were a joke that essentially like NFL coaches would prefer it if none of the games were televised, which is probably true. Like, Coaches want everything kept as close to the vest as possible. Uh, it's, it's become a thing in the past couple of days because the Packers media put it out um, that they can't report on the depth chart. I can tell you that we are not allowed as Panthers reporters to report on the depth chart who we're seeing take first, second, third reps, um, but, uh, which is fine. But at the same time, uh, it, that stuff's going to get out there. Like, it just, it is, I'm sorry to tell you, like it, it is, especially if you're going to live stream half your practice. Um, I, if we're not allowed to talk about the, the specifics on, you know, the players and the depth chart, it just Teddy Bridgewater I, is the starting quarterback. I could tell you that taking reps with the ones I'd be, I, you know what consequences be damned. If I was looking at, let's say a 10 emphasis on the one zero day forecast, would you say it's more cloudy or more sunny in the forecast if I'm, if, if I'm you know, just looking at my 10-day forecast? If you're asking me if uh, Curtis Samuel has been impressive in training camp, he has. <laughs> yes. I didn't say it. I didn't force you to say it. I asked about the weather, Josh. Don't try and get me in trouble. 
Now, if you, if you want to know if the 10-day forecast, what position the 10-day forecast is playing, that I cannot say. Well, can, can, can I tell you that um, just, just thinking about what we're talking about, training camp and, and things uh, you can't talk about. I, I was spending my time today thinking about the triumvirate on offense of Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel. And we've had this conversation once before, but I revisited this, the numbers one more time, Josh. Um, and, and ladies, it was, it was just Josh and I had the conversation previously. I apologize. That's who, that's who I talked with about before. On drives in the last two seasons in which CMC, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel all got a touch or were at least targeted, there were 75 total drives over two seasons. 32 of them ended in touchdowns. 10 ended in field goal attempts. That's 43 of 75 total drives. 23 additional drives ended in opponent territory. So that's 66 of 75 drives where these three young men got the ball. They ended up on the other side of the field with point with the, with their points uh, per drive above the league high chiefs and Ravens on those types of drives. I'm not saying that they're in that category, but this triumvirate, I, I am so excited about seeing these young guys get into action. Do you think that, um, I mean, I, I, we have said it before and I will continue to say it, that it's like they handpicked Teddy Bridgewater to run this offense with these, with these weapons. And everybody wants to talk about how Teddy Bridgewater can't throw deep, but does it matter if he's throwing like throwing short to Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel within 20 yards uh, short, maybe not the right way to put it, but that's where their strength lies is getting the ball into these guys' hands. And we, 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 wanted cam so desperately to take the layups and now that uh that teddy won't shoot it dame lillard style from the logo everybody that's what all anybody wants to talk about and i would point out too with the numbers again 66 of 75 total drives that these guys touched the ball ended up in opponent's territory and with with 43 of them in indian scores these guys had Awful quarterback play during this entire time, except for the first half of 2018. And Curtis Samuel didn't play the first four games of 2018. Boy, oh boy, I, mm, I'm excited for this offense, y'all. And speaking of Teddy, I'm not, do we, we, we just talked about Rule, we've talked about Teddy. Do we think Rule is on Team Teddy? This is the most important question to me this entire season. Because I'll tell you right now, I'm on Team Teddy. And if we got to go major league, including rooting against the head coach, I'm on Team Teddy because this offense is too good. So I want to know, do people think, because you know, it's out there that there's a Trevor Lawrence crush that, that may be percolating. I think this offense is too good. So I just wanted, I'm just saying today I'm on Team Teddy. Anybody that's not on Team Teddy, that's fine, but I'm on Team Teddy. Elena, what's your take on whether Matt Rule is on Team Teddy? What do you mean by being on Team Teddy? I mean intending to win games in the 2020 season at the expense of potentially drafting Trevor Lawrence. How many games? <laughs> I don't think – see, this is the thing. I don't think it matters. If Rule thinks this is the way it's going to go, the only way it goes is if you bench Teddy. If Teddy Bridgewater is healthy, this offense is going to go. Unless they shut it down, in which case, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know. I don't think you can look at the way they attacked the draft and not say that this team – I mean, this team is uh, – we can go around in whatever shape, way you want. This is a rebuilding team. 
I mean, their defense is too all over the place to not be a rebuilding team. So, well, Spend another first-round pick on a defensive player to improve the defense, in my opinion. I just uh, – it depends what timeline you're on. Like, to me – I think Matt Rule would love this offense to succeed and be good and all that sort of thing. But their defense is going to give up a lot of points. A million so points. All the I points. Think, I think he can beat Team Teddy and this team can lose a lot of games. I think those things aren't necessarily different. Okay, to me, do, okay, but to me Team Teddy, because Teddy needs to win now. Teddy needs to win in order to prolong his career, to get, to get, to get another contract. Right, like yeah. with the Panthers, Teddy, it was well, to be clear. Goes, like he can get, he can be really good for two more years. They can draft Trevor Lawrence, and then he can go and sign somewhere else. Like that happens, happens to, to guys all the time. I don't right. think you. I don't think you're the quarterback of a two and fourteen, three and thirteen team, and get the big payday. I don't know that that's happening to me. Payday, no, I agree. With you. So, like Teddy needs to win. I think Teddy, I think this offense, look, if this defense fails, okay, I got it. The defense fails, but I don't see, other than the offensive line, what do you need to add to this offense? Tight end. And you also said, other than the offensive line. Did you heard the first part of your <laughs> sentence, though, right? Like that <laughs> offensive line is, is important. Okay, so, so if you put Trevor Lawrence back there, he doesn't need an offensive line. No, of course not. This team okay, is well. Then it's a, then it's a dumb point that you just tried to make at my expense. It's a dumb point. It's the same thing. You but the this is a rebuilding team, and you need you have yeah. holes. You have holes all over the team, and they're the the way that they built this roster at the age with the age, the average age that they're at. They have mm-hmm. what four guys over the age of thirty. They have by twenty twenty one. There's going to be four guys that are still under contract. Obviously, that's going to change, but like that this team is like built to flip over at some point. And well, that doesn't mean that, over. that doesn't mean that Teddy can't be the next quarterback too. But I think that it's, I don't think it's like a foregone conclusion that he will be here in 2022, 2023. I think it's like, if he, he could be really good for the next three years and then they're like, you know what? Let's run it back. Let's build around Teddy. It's it is going to depend on this year, but it is going to. There is a very good. There is a non-zero chance that Teddy plays really well, and they still go two and fourteen. But that the way that he plays means that they don't want to. They don't necessarily have to draft Trevor Lawrence. I think this this offense is going to put up too many points for them to go two and fourteen. And, and I, I think I, I think there's a lot of advantage. Too. Like we've talked, you know, the continuity thing. The Panthers got the lowest continuity score, and, and I'm a believer in stuff like continuity. But there's also this is not a this is not a standard off season. This is a unique off season. There is not going to be a, a single frame of Joe Brady's offense of tape for anybody to study. And you're coming out with an offense to me that's loaded to bear. The teams are not going to be looking to get aggressive. I don't think on this Panthers. Uh, offense early because if you do that they're going to find Teddy's going to find the guys we've just been talking about so I'm my question I think I want to see this team do well I want to see this team do well and I think this offense is good enough to do well I think this defense is is young but I think it's talented enough to compete cause turnovers and I just don't see I don't see the scenario where this offense is is a 2-14 and team unless they're thwarted internally or, you know, injuries, of course. 
I don't think they're going to be two and 14 either. I think they're going to be like, I think it's going to be like four, five wins. I think they're going to luck into some. I think this, I think teams are going to be injuries we're already seeing. I mean, God, how it's been a week and there's like injuries all over the place. I think they will luck their way into, I think they will pick in the top 10 of next year's draft. I believe that. I do not believe, I don't know if I believe it'll be in the top five though. Like, I think they're going to win enough games that they're going to have to trade down if they trade up, if they want one of those quarterbacks, but they're going to, I mean, there's not winning. And if you do that, you can't address the offensive line and you can't address the defense. This I, is the, this. I look at this offense like it's it's Jake Delhomme. I look at Teddy as as the new Jake Delhomme. This offense, I would rather I'd see, rather see DJ get paid, Curtis get paid, things like that, and have a functional offense. And, and because I think you can build on this, I think that what is there to not build on? You got you got a on the defensive side. You got Brown. You got Chin at two levels. You know, in the in this draft, you've got other guys that you like, and I think this offense is set up. Yeah, but you're building. But the 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 problem, the not the problem. You have made this team to where you have all these guys that you are building on, but also you're not going to be building with another top five pick. You're going to be building with the twelfth pick in the draft again because you're going to go six and ten, which is one okay. of the issues that we had that I had with the way that they constructed this roster three months ago. This is that's an NBA argument, not an NFL argument, in my opinion. The NBA, that's- the top of the NBA draft matters a whole lot more than the top of the NFL draft, except for as we're talking about with the generational quarterback. But again. I'm on Elena. Like she's, she, I'm more bullish than she is. But I just don't see the way you get this offense with the guy that CMC. That's a two thousand yard guy. DJ Moore. We haven't even seen him get ten catches yet. We haven't seen Curtis Samuel fully unlocked yet. I, I, I just, to me, that is not the offense of an. Like you have to be incompetent on offense to go two and fourteen or three and thirteen and be in position to draft Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. And that's why I say the only way it doesn't happen is if it happens internally. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not – again, I agree with you. I think that the offense is going to be very good. I do I do not think that the defense is going to be very good. I have to say with this offense, though, I am worried about this offensive line. Like, I think there is plenty – I mean, there's – let alone the contract situations for 20 – for the next year, that's the best. But, like, just the offensive line this year, I just think there's reasons to be – I know, I mean, Russell's going to be great, but I just think there's there's reasons I'm concerned about them. Well, I mean, Paradis didn't play well last year, so, I mean, that's a, that's a concern right in the middle of the line. Because if Moten plays well and we believe in Okung, then it really comes down to Paradis, right? Sure, yeah. No, I, and I also, I think that you have two, two journeymen and a sixth rounder at guard, and I am not 100% sold that Russell Okung plays the entire season. And then you're putting Greg Little out there at left tackle, and we're just it's just it get it gets scary really quickly it's like one of those things where when you're playing if you're looking at it on Madden and nobody gets hurt then I think it would be fine but I think ultimately across the five guys you're probably going to miss 20 games total like four four each or 10 for one guy and you know whatever and so when you start to when that starts to happen then it's like Oh, and Brandon Bowen is starting at left tackle today. Like, at, like those kind of things are, they're not great. So, I, and, and you do need some time 
for uh, for a Joe Brady offense to run. Not that much time. He proved it in, in LSU, but that uh, that offensive line was better than this offensive line. I mean, I think when your left tackle's already being – I mean, trying not to put too much on here, but when your left tackle's already being watched for how much he's playing in training game practices in terms of his health, um, which he is, he's with back tightness, but I think his health is a serious – and that's when they traded for him, I thought it was a little silly because of his health um, with Okun. But – so, yeah, I think the, the offensive line getting through this year healthy is not going to happen. Give me training camp so far. Give me one player that's been better that you didn't expect. Elena, I'll start with you. I didn't expect. Um, I feel like my expectations have been met. Um, I, I, can, I can give you a minute to think about it if you want. Go ahead, go ahead. I thought that Will Greer looks way better than he did last year, and I'm shocked by it. I fully expected him to come in and, and be beat out by P.J. Walker by a by a country mile. And it seems to me like he is, he looks like Kyle Allen looked last year in, and Jay Walker looks like Will Greer looked like last year. Now I'm not saying that either one of them are good NFL quarterbacks, but that one of them is going to be sitting right behind is a heartbeat away from being the starting quarterback for what Colin just described as a great offense. So I, I think that, you know, one of them is going to get playing time and I was, ple- I have been pleasantly surprised by the way that he has looked. And and I, I'm not afraid to say it because I came in with very low expectations. I came in with the expectations that he would be practice squad or cut. Um, we talked about it before, during the offseason. And I think that, you know, five days into watching him practice, obviously a super small sample size, but I, I, I have been impressed with what I've seen thus far. This is going to sound like I'm, I'm contradicting myself, and perhaps I am slightly here. But I'm fine with not going and getting a Derek Anderson for this year, like to put behind Teddy Bridgewater. Under the, under the case that like, hey, if this goes south, ah, oh, shucks, Trevor Lawrence. Like I'm, I'm good with that kind of, you know, I don't know, gamesmanship. I just don't like not playing games hard. That's really my big deal. I don't think anybody wants to not play games hard. I think they just don't. I just think they're starting a bunch of really young guys on defense with a brand-new scheme. And they're going to have to play against Julio Jones and Mike Evans and Tom Brady. And uh, I, I was going to say the Raiders guys, but that's not quite as impressive. Derek Carr <laughs> and Henry Ruggs. <laughs> and I just think it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of points. I, I mean, I think we, you can't underestimate that Matt Rule's done this twice before, been had like a rough team and like dealt with it. He knows, I mean – I don't believe his first season of Baylor, he was, like, trying to lose games or, like, anything oh, like that. of course not. He's used to losing. Um, but someone who stood out to me, I was trying to think. I mean, we haven't really seen, like, a ton, a ton of, like, action. But, like, I guess someone maybe I would adapt a little. Someone who's, like, stuck out to me is Mike Davis. And I can't talk a ton about what in particular, but I will say – that I came in with the impression that he may be someone that didn't make the final roster or maybe I was anticipating, you know, financially it makes a lot of sense to let him go and my expectations have changed on that. Um, He's way more of a leader, it sounds like, than I thought based on what we've heard and I think he's someone that has surprised me um, just overall kind of over the past week, I would say. 
Well, that's, just, I, that's encouraging for me because I've, I've harped on it for a while. We, we want a hammer to, to go with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield and Mike Davis as a running back is that kind of guy that can provide that, um, that type of between the tackles running if, you know, if he's the same running back he's been. Sorry, Josh. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that if you just – I think the expectation – you're absolutely right, Elena. The expectation was that he makes $3 million and it's all dead money or it's, there's no dead money if you release him so he's as good as gone. But if you take that away, in reality, um, this is a guy that has played in the NFL, uh, has NFL experience, and is probably more a better running back than the fifth rounder and the undrafted guy that are trying to compete with him. So if you just look at those three guys in a bubble, it would make sense that Mike Davis would beat out those, those other two guys, especially when your salary cap is kind of screwed this year anyway. So it's like, I think everybody is like, got to get that $3 million. But I got news for you. The $3 million that you could save by cutting Mike Davis is not going to make a lick of difference in any contract. You can shift around the salary cap to, to make that $3 million fit elsewhere. And as a pass blocker, it, it, it is vital. There's a reason that you see a lot of these teams that are successful, even though we running backs have no value anymore, that, um, that these playoff teams do go and get – a Mark Ingram, like the Ravens did at $8 million. Tevin Coleman out there in San Francisco. Shady McCoy last year in Kansas City. Going and getting those veteran running backs and a guy that's been in those games. It, you know, Davis fills that role. That's a big role for this team. I would also say, I think, I mean, this is nothing to do with on the field, but I think sometimes, you know, Christian's young. I mean, he's played in the NFL. I mean, obviously, he's very experienced, but he's only played in the NFL three seasons. And I think you know, having Reggie Bonifant in a running back room is great, but he doesn't bring, like, any experience, like, to talk with Christian about or anything like that. And I know that doesn't go into a lot about how they make these decisions, but it's, it's only a positive to have someone who's played in a certain number of NFL games in that room with Christian is kind of how I look at it. Let's have some jersey talk. What is going on? What's up with the red jerseys? Are you, are you fist pumping? Uh, I was Are just you excited for Jersey talk? Jersey, Jersey Shore. Jersey. Um, well, this stuff. So. What? I hate talking about this stuff because, like, I feel like it gets so much more attention than it needs to. But go ahead. Please. No, it's it's a huge amount of attention, but ultimately, it's it's what like everybody cares about. Like that was like people on Twitter were like, "Ask him about the jerseys." Um. So if you didn't. If you're listening to this podcast and you're somehow not familiar with the fact that injured players were spotted uh, at yesterday's practice wearing red number one jerseys um, and Twitter was unhappy with that decision. Uh, personally, I, so I will tell you that. So Elena said earlier, we have a pool reporter that goes into the bubble for the bubble portion of practice. One, one person. And that was me yesterday. And I walked in and I saw the three guys riding the bikes and I saw that they were all wearing number one red jerseys. My shoulders slumped because I thought to myself, well, I gotta, I'm going to have to share this information. And I don't think – I think people are going to react poorly to it. Um, I think there are really only two options here. Either Matt Rule doesn't realize that this would be a big deal or doesn't care that this will be a big deal. And neither one is really great in my opinion. Um, I think both of them are – uh, I think overall it's a poor decision and I think he could have really nipped it in the bud yesterday at the press conference uh, and he didn't. Um, so it's just, you know, 
I, I don't know. I, I get that it's like making mountains out of molehills and you should, it should not be something that matters, but ultimately to a lot of fans of this team, it does. And, um, I don't know. Like I, I have spent, I've come on this podcast. I've gone on the radio. I've written an articles that if we think that Matt rule is like taking time out of his day to throw shade at Cam Newton, we are being ridiculous. And, uh, and we are putting words into his mouth and thoughts into his head but then stuff like this keeps happening and it's just like, come on, man, like throw me a bone. I've been, def- I've been defending you the whole time. Um, it's just, I, I don't really have any thoughts on it. I don't know whether he's doing it on purpose. And I, and I know that we shouldn't care, but ultimately people do. Is he, is this a cam is dead thing? Is that what we're going Like, just like, we need to move on. We need to not, I don't think it's intended towards the, towards the fans, but is that, I mean, I don't know what else this is supposed to be like other than like to to me, I don't understand what the logic would be to end up here other than you're saying number one's not here anymore. Look, the the dudes on the, on the bikes riding are number one. Now there's been too much turnover. I don't feel like there's like some extreme loyalty here. I don't, I don't get what the, I don't get the gain is here at all. I I get I guess I agree with you. I just don't know why it's a thing. I mean, I get that the cam and he wore the red number one. I get it. I really, really do. I really do. However, we don't even have pictures of these players. They're just in a bubble wearing the red shirts to denote that they're injured and they're not playing today. And I just think to me, I don't care that, yeah, Cam wore it, but, like, it has nothing to do with Cam, like, in the slightest. So then the most likely explanation is, hey, guess what number we have the most red jerseys of around here? And fortunately, he's big enough that he fits most everybody. <laughs> Good point. Tamara Hemingway is not fitting into that 14 red jersey. That's Joe Webb's jersey. <laughs> know that these are the same jerseys they've had in years past no oh is it so they're new i don't know they look like it i mean they look like cam's jerseys they've also brought in three green like to me to assume that they kept the jerseys cam like are these worn jerseys we think they're wearing i I think they're red practice jerseys (sighs) do they get new practice jerseys every year I mean, I, I understand that they're a billion-dollar operation. We can make that assumption. At the same time, are we sure they get new ones every year? The no. fact that we're even talking about it is ridiculous, and the fact that they made us talk about it is what's more ridiculous. Like, they're, like this could have been avoided a thousand times out of a thousand. There are enough people in that locker room and enough people on that team, enough people in that front office to say to whoever was throwing those jerseys on the injured guys, hey, man, um – we got some zeros back here. Like we got, you know, like I got some blank ones. I got some, uh, some pennies, some red pennies. If you want to throw those on. Can I share one hypothesis on this? Love it. We love hypotheses. <laughs> okay. I think one thing I've thought is, is he seems like a little, um, he's more sharing about injured guys than Ron Rivera was. However, he's not like, he doesn't start his availability being like, Hey, these are the guys that got injured today, one, two, three, whatever. You kind of have to ask for it. He's not going to come out with it. So I think one theory I have is that they just wanted everyone to wear the same one so it wasn't like, oh, my God, Omar Bayless is out today. Everyone can see him. You know, maybe it's a little more difficult this way to tell who's injured. 
And they just stuck them all in the same one. They're like, which one do we have three of? Or which one do we have enough of that we could like stick on everyone? I'm still not like convinced that these are the same. I think these could be completely New Jerseys and I wouldn't be surprised at all that they got this off. I also could think if they, they got could be new, new jerseys. If they got new jerseys with ones on them, though, that goes to Josh's point. That's what I'm saying. That this that's that's like, point, Josh. Then at that point, if they went and got jerseys with red jerseys with one on them, I'm out. I got nothing for them at that point. I don't. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I don't. I don't really have a good like with all the other stuff. It was like, come on, guys. If they're crisp out the rapper, like y'all did that to yourselves, you're just gonna have to wear that one for a little bit. I think we can all agree that it wasn't as thought out as it should have been the you optics know, are not great yeah <laughs> i think it's just because georgia beat baylor's butt in the sugar bowl personally but you know uh yeah no I, but it's i, I will say also um i will say this uh that the um the way that ron rivera used to have the injured players is they would they would all come out there and you they would stand they would basically ride the bikes next to all the where the reporters are and during practice for Matt Rule, they all, all those injured guys stay in the bubble the whole time. So you don't get to see them. So maybe that is one of those things where he's just trying to keep their – not identities a secret, but, like, keep them away from the eyes of a reporter who might say, hey, you know, Omar Bayless was out today and he was walking with a huge limp, so he's definitely not going to play on Sunday. Now, that being said, we're, what, three and a half weeks from the, from the first – um, from the first game, and the three guys were Omar Bayless, Jordan Kunashik, and Tamaric Hemingway. So it's like protecting those guys. While love all three of those guys, but uh, it's it's not exactly like trying to hide a Teddy Bridgewater finger injury. I was listen. It was just a theory. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just think again. I think we. I think the most common sense thing on it is whether they're new jerseys whether they ordered number ones it was not well it could have we don't know because Matt rules kind of didn't get into it maybe all at Baylor his injury players also all wore red number one jerseys I wish he would have said that so we could not be having this conversation right now would have been so much easier again it was it's he could have nipped it in the bud yes agreed also Um, I think the green quarterback jerseys are dope they're boom there it is I think they look cool and um, if I were buying a Will Greer jersey, I'd be looking into one of them green ones. So it'd be one he actually wore. <laughs> <laughs> Any other jersey color that we should be uh, concerned with or talking about? Well, I mean, was- I'm glad Matt Rule said the other option, like his uh, quarterbacks have also worn orange. So I think we should be glad we got the Baylor green. It's very big. Ba- I always, I just think of Baylor when I see these practice jerseys, which is like, Fine, I guess. It doesn't really bother anyone. But oh, so so I, Matt Rule brought half of the, the practice jerseys from Baylor, but the, the red ones are new, Elena. I'm, I'm having a little trouble right now. No, no. The green are they're just, it's a very Baylor green. Like, it's a very specific green, and it really is that green. But I just think we should all be glad it's not orange because I think the orange just would not have looked good out there. I think that would have been a bad scene. So I'm just glad it's the green. A Panthers quarterback who wears orange. Hmm. Could he be trying to tell us something? God. <laughs> Don't even open that conspiracy theory rabbit <laughs> hole. Oh, uh, what are you I doing? I have a hypothesis. <laughs> no, 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 no. Any other Jersey tidbits? No. Well, I, no, no. 
Okay. Um, we're we're going to shift gears here, and Colin, I know, wants to pose some defensive questions. Well, I'm, I'm just excited. You know, we, we talked about the offense, and we obviously expect this defense, not, young defense, not paid handsomely in, compared to the offense. Um, but I, I'm intrigued, again, by the fact that there's not going to be any tape of this of this defense. And I do think, you know, I'm curious, you guys anticipate them being more aggressive because the way that they can have success would, to me would be be aggressive and force turnovers because they're going to give up big plays. So you might as well try and make some big plays at the same time. Um, that seems like a terrible way to play defense. Uh, but I don't disagree. Um, I like the idea that you were like, well, we're going to give up some big plays. So we may as well gamble a lot. No, I'm not saying they won't do that, but it doesn't seem like it's a recipe for winning games. Um, uh, I think what they are going – so when we talked to – when I talked to Cody Alexander um, a few weeks ago on this show, he was saying that when you don't have a lot of time to teach guys, what you do is you go out there and you play man a lot because you just don't – you don't want to run complicated zones because then you end up with guys running wide open. At least with man, you know that somebody's going to be close to them. Um, and I, I do think they're going to do that. I think where we're going to see the kind of the more experimental stuff is going to be in the personnel. Um, what Phil Snow has said and what all the players have said is like, they want to run interesting personnel. They like guys that can do all that can do everything. Um, so it's like, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're like, they drafted Jeremy Chin to play all over the field. So uh, obviously they want guys like that, that can play all over the field. Shaq Thompson can play linebacker and big nickel and safety and like we've seen him do it in the past so it's like that's what I think they want is they don't want to have to sub in like oh man they're in 11 personnel we got to get a nickel back out there oh man here comes the tight end we got to get uh we got to get another linebacker out there like I think that they're they want their they want the guys that are going to play um and uh and that's where I think the experimental stuff is going to come in but I do think that with the secondary they have running man coverage um could lead to some problems yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think some of the things like, like I completely agree with what Josh was saying, partly because I feel like sometimes like in the three practices we've been at, you know, I've looked at it at the first team defense and I'm like, Oh, like he's out there, but like, what position, like, what is he playing? Is K1 short out there with the first team defense, Elena? Answer. Don't, <laughs> don't skirt that question. You know, he was late that one day. He had to take his, he was with his kids for school. Um, but, <laughs> I feel like they've been all over the place, kind of, like, they're definitely, like Josh said, they're not going to, just because a guy has a position by his name does not mean he's going to be lining up there. I think we're going to see a ton of that. And I do think kind of what you're saying, that's to their advantage. I mean, I think no one has seen this in, like, Mm -hmm. week one, week two. I mean, week two is Tom Brady, so I don't know how it'll go. But I think, you know, early on it'll be to their advantage to have that. But they're still, I mean – we, are we confident in Dante Jackson? Like, that's who – that's, like, the piece of this de- – I mean, Trey Boston, I think, is the piece where you're, like – I guess I'm more speaking about the secondary here. But, like, you look at Trey Boston, okay, you know what you're getting from him. But, like, Dante Jackson, do we have confidence in him, like, going into the season? I don't. Um, so, I think it's somewhat unknown and it's needing someone – I think – and I've, I've thought this for a few months now. I think Dante Jackson, it plays a, a tremendous part in how the secondary – goes like if he has a great season that is huge for them um and I I don't know if he can do that 
I just want to be clear here. What, what I'm trying to do with, you know, Derek Brown, KK short and this defensive front is short in that time period. I'm saying get after it. this. This has not been a blitz heavy defense. I mean, under Ron Rivera. And I think you can see that increase dramatically to try and shrink that time so that if you've got guys that are in the back end playing man to man, they're not doing it very long. I'd rather have chin Dante Jackson attacking forward because I'm sending extra guys in front of them and the quarterback's got to make a quick decision. And then, cause I, in that moment, do I trust, do I trust Dante? That becomes a whole lot different situation because so that's what I'm talking about is trying to trying to crank up that speed on the front end and not just rely on a four man rush or, you know, sugar in the a gaps with, with Luke, even though you're not going to send them and he ain't going to get there. If even if you do, you know, um, this, this, I think they're going to be a lot more diverse. And I mean, I, I think of chin and his ability, this is a guy that comes in with 13 college interceptions, a, a true addition to thieves Avenue, which credit to Trey for continuing to try and keep that going. We'll get back to, if we just had Kirk Coleman getting seven picks, it sounds a whole lot better. Um, but I, I think that this this secondary may have a chance to to make some plays. And other than Eli Apple, the other guys do have the ball skills. So that's really what I'm talking about is, is, is changing it up up front and then trying to make those guys in the back end into playmakers. And, again, you're going to give up some big plays. I, I, think, I think that may be a worthwhile risk. I think one thing, too, that – through, I mean, obviously we knew Derek Brown was going to be, like, great. You know, like, that's not a surprise. No, we that. didn't. No, we didn't. <laughs> anyway, I was a Simmons fan suggests differently. Well, anyway. We knew he was going to be way. big. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Elena's right again. Elena's right again. <laughs> I would just say that I think Derek Brown has been a highlight. I mean, it's so early. But I think, to me, he has stood out so far, and I have been mm-hmm. very and to me that for being as young as he is and for like how I feel like he's a you know his presence like very early in this practice and I think that's huge like I think for what you're saying for like have you know being creative with the line like I think he is a huge obviously a huge part of that and I think he's done he's looked good so far when you talk about like training camp standouts like star Latulale never stood out in training camp now that being said I wasn't I wasn't there for him in training camp, but I never really read any training camp updates of like Star really eating up a lot of blockers up front. Uh, whereas like Derek Brown is like he's doing things up front. Um, but again, I, he's competing against that offensive line that you despise so much. <laughs> it is funny though. Like one of the things that I always notice is that you can always tell what kind of fan a person is with how they react to a uh, to a training camp highlight because when DJ Moore makes us when it makes an incredible catch it's always like tear up toast in coverage there's Dante like that's the <laughs> negative fans or like they show Derek Brown like reaching around Matt Paradis and pulling Christian McCaffrey down by like his shoulder pads and everybody's like Paradis stakes again here we go <laughs> and it's like like literally one like when somebody makes a good play that means somebody makes a bet like it's not just all juking out air you know how many times i mean christian mccaffrey i mean come on 2017 christian mccaffrey juked out luke keekley and then he retired two years later so it's like the 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 corollary is there uh, yeah go ahead <laughs> <laughs> now now you got you but you've seen kk like is is he looked different than kk like is he like what's what make or is it? I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to turn this into bag on KK. I'm just trying to, you know, the other defensive tackle since you referenced Star. Hmm. Um, I <laughs> sure. I I think 
I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Elena. And again, it's very short, small sample size. Um, I, personally, you've seen, I've seen Derek Brown make some splash plays and I haven't seen KK Short make any splash plays. That doesn't mean anything. It also, it just, it is what it is. It's true over the first five days. That, that is what's happening. Yeah. Derek Brown has been, I, I think this is not, like, is not related to KK to me. Like, like you were saying, mm-hmm. like, I think we just have KK thus far, like, hasn't been like, oh my God, look at him. Like he's been, I think Derek Brown has been flashier. And like, I think one thing to point out with like, when we see him like do well against someone like Matt Paradis is the fact that like, yeah, maybe not so great for Matt Paradis, but it's also like, this is a rookie, like, who has had, like, just the start of his NFL career. And if he can do anything against whatever center that's been in the league for five plus years, even, like, I think that's something that, you know, leave Matt Paradis out of it and just be, like, good for Derek Brown. Like, I think that's too much. Like, it's just practice. It but is. It is. We're t- we are talking about practice. <laughs> Happy every practice. young guy we talk about, I'm excited about. Like well, it's like everyone. it's it's training camp, baby. You can't get no. It's you not like we're not excited about. <laughs> yeah, they're there too. <laughs> well, well, Josh did try to sell me on Will Greer. I just I just tuned him out for about forty five seconds. If we're being honest, I'm just telling you, man. Somebody's got to be the backup quarterback on this roster. Somebody does. Yeah, like, that's Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna like wearing that green. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to play a game? Game time? We yeah, ready? let's do it. This week is high school superlatives. So each of you are going to come up with two superlatives and which Panthers would get it. So you, did anybody get one in high school? Were you, were you something, Josh? No, no. I was <laughs> – no, definitely not. I was uh, most likely to uh, slink in the background of, of pictures. Um, <laughs> we've already talked about this. Uh, I, okay. So I don't know whether this is going to be a hot take or what. Um, uh, biggest chance for disappointment. Oh no. Horrible. (laughs) Is, uh, Joe Brady. Now hear me out. Uh, That's not okay. Go ahead. (laughs) Everybody has, everybody has the highest possible expectations for this guy. Like if this if this offense doesn't come in and score thirty five points a game, it's going to be a disappointment. He has all the weapons that you could possibly have given him, and he has never called. He has never been a full time play caller. He has never play, called a play in the NFL, and he did not have an off season to install his scheme. And I get it. It happens. Wonder kids come in. Sean McVay. I, I know all the reasons why he could be great, but. It is hard to live up to expectations when your expectations are off the top of the Zoom square. If expectations were here, that would be one thing. But everybody, nobody is saying like Joe Brady is going to come in and they're going to be pretty good this year. Everybody's saying Joe Brady is going to come in and we're looking at, (laughs) we are looking at the 2019 Chiefs and if they're anything less, disappointing. And that, that is why I think there is a chance I'm not saying that he will be disappointing. I, I think that he can live up to it. But being an NFL offensive coordinator is hard, and he is not the first guy to come in with a resume like this and not live up to it. Right. I, I think that the 2019 Chiefs is a bit far. I mean, if they got Trevor Lawrence, maybe then they're the <laughs> 2019 Chiefs. But I do – like the 1999, you know, 
Rams. That was I couldn't. I, I I was trying to think of the I was like the greatest show on turf. Like if they're, but that's what that's what people think is going to happen. You talked about it earlier today on this yes. very podcast. Yes, and I'm, and everybody's like I'm, with Robbie as, Anderson, you can't do anything less than top five offense. And it's like I, I just think that there is a chance that we are setting ourselves that that people are setting themselves up for disappointment with Joe Brady, and that doesn't mean that he can't still be a good offensive coordinator. Well, I'll, I'll go next. I actually have – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Lena. That's – I was just saying that's like – that's more of like a fan. I have an issue with that solely because I think that's people's expectations are incorrect. So that's all I – That's exactly what – that was exactly the point that I'm trying to bring up is that people's expectations are incorrect. Not that yeah. I think that he is going to be a bad offensive coordinator. Is that people are expecting the greatest show on turf, the Joe – to Montana to – Bridgewater to Moore to be Montana to Rice – and McCaffrey to have a thousand thousand again, while whilst the rest of the offense is wonderful around him, and I'm just not a hundred percent sure that that's going to happen. See, I, I think what you're saying it lines up with a lot of what I think could go well for this offense, but I think I'm way more bullish than most people do are on this team. Do you think most people are closer to, to me? I thought more people were on the, you know, team Trevor. I, that's why I, you know, like I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think it's about half and half. Good. So. Okay, well, uh, to continue on with what you just said, most likely to succeed, I'd like to nominate Christian McCaffrey, who I think for all the reasons that you just said uh, has a legitimate chance as an MVP. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to say Joe Brady for sure. No, I would have been awesome. No, no, no. I think he he may have a a podium-type MVP season. And, like, I don't think he's going to win, but I think he he is going to be up there again for all the reasons that you just said that – he is going to be the guy that rely on. Like the two things, the two guys that I'm going into trusting this are Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey and everybody else like DJ, you can earn it. Curtis, you can earn it. Ian, you can earn it. Everybody else can earn it. But those two guys, I, you just got to trust day one. And because of that, I think you ride McCaffrey. And, and I think he's a, a guy that you can ride like that. So. Elena. Um, I'm going to do – Can I? am I doing one or two? <laughs> You're going to do one, and then we'll go back around. But we'll, we'll have two. Great. So for my first one, so when I was in high school, I was in the running for best hair. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I lost. And it was like – I don't even want to get into it. It was deeply upsetting. Who won? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, <laughs> scar tissue. No joke. Anyway, but because of that, I think I'd like to give best hair. Um, and there's Great. a lot of worthy candidates out there, but I have to give my award to Will Greer solely for the purpose <laughs> I need to know more about his hair. Um, some of it is blonde, some of it is brown, and it's like a whole thing. So I think he came into training camp with maybe most surprising hair is more appropriate, I just like his hair is like a whole thing. So I just think he deserves a shout out for that. Trey Boston is devastated with that, <laughs> with that award. Trey Boston, like that's his look. Like Will Greer came in with something new. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a nod to Will Greer. That so, corn- no, it's a, you're, you're, that's, that's, that's a good, that is a good superlative. Um, I, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. Um, I don't know whether this is going to be spoiler, uh, I interviewed Will Greer yesterday and I asked him about his hair. No. <laughs> and I have a response. Would you like to hear it? 
now I would. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't have the audio queued up, but I will read it. Um, I'm going back to 2017 West Virginia Will Greer. No real reason other than I wanted to get back to my roots, enjoy the game, get back to the edge I used to have, and just enjoy it, play hard, and love every day. That probably has nothing to do with my hair. It's more of a mindset. Just one of those things. I get why people are talking about it, but it doesn't mean a whole lot to me, if that makes sense. Now, I went back and looked at Will Greer's hair in 2017. It did not look like this. Oh. So... Disappointing answer then. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I think he was talking about how he grew it out long, but no, you're absolutely right. Will Greer's hair is, I would describe it as something, um, and I think I think some people might give it worst hair. I'm just throwing that out there. Best hair to me, though, like in this instance, not when I should have won it. Best <laughs> hair in this instance is more like, wow, like you came in with some hair, and we're talking about it. So. And hair that Most everyone's talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's um, I would like to give my so unfortunately it can't be most likely to succeed, um, because Colin already gave that one away. Uh, my personal most likely to succeed would be Brian Burns. Um, I think that he is. Uh, uh, I I think he is ready to make that jump and is going to get if he gets a full complement of snaps. I think I talked about it last week on the podcast, but I would like to say it multiple times to get it get it out there into the ether that I'm on hashtag team burns. Um, I How do you feel going, about hashtag burns and coverage? <laughs> uh, I think hashtag don't put players in positions that are where they're not going to succeed. Fair enough. Hashtag let them rush, baby. Hashtag what a rush. <laughs> With Legion of Doom? Yeah. Ooh, is that what it is? Ooh, what a rush. What a rush, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, I knew it was something ridiculous. Um, I will go with um, uh, Class Clown. And, I, I'm, hmm. and I'm, I'll give it to Trey Boston. Um, I think that he is, when you watch him out there at practice, talking a lot, that, 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 that guy used to be Cam Newton. And now there is just nobody out there talking a lot during defense. Um, and, but Trey Boston is doing his best. It used to be Cam versus Thomas Davis. Then Thomas Davis was gone. Then it was Cam versus Captain. And, and, uh, and Trey was in there too in the, in the trash talk. But I think that that is a big part of, of NFL practice is, is that jawing and that competition. And he has been trying his best to bring it um, to practices. So I will give my class clown award to Trey Boston. That'll make him feel better since he lost out on best hair. Exactly. Could have been a dual winner. <laughs> Colin, what do you have? I'm just realizing we don't have a single good trash talker on our offense. This, this, is, this is a Marty Herney failed uh, GM moment. This, this needs to be on the resume because you need somebody. You got to have somebody. I um, think Anderson can talk his fair share. I think. Okay, good. As long as we got one, we just, you got to have one. You, you can't go down being swagless when, when some DB is getting up in your grill. You just, you gotta. He doesn't like play something. angry though. Like, I mean that, not that, not that DJ or Curtis does, but like. Eighty-nine. Well, I mean, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like that's what everybody compares wide receivers in Carolina to is 89 and how he played. So. Well, there, no, there is no Steve Smith on this, in this wide receiver group. No. 
No, definitely not. I mean, when will there be? But anyway. <laughs> um, I, w- I have most likely to miss the field trip. Um, I'm going with Greg Little, unfortunately. Uh, my, my, my confidence in so many guys is soaring. My Greg Little confidence is plummeting. I don't know that we ever see Greg Little play a meaningful snap for this team. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to play a meaningful snap, but. Depends what meaningful means to you. It's a good point. Depends on if you're on Team Teddy or Team Trevor, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, is it last one? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to do biggest nerd, but in like the most affectionate way possible, I mean this. Um, I'm going to give it to Shaq Thompson, only in the sense in that, um, I mean this in a very positive way. Like I said, like I think um, we've heard a lot about him being around the facility a lot, um, being someone who is in the meeting rooms late at night, watching film. And I think, I mean, I can't imagine being in his shoes. I mean, you're pretty much like even if he's not actually filling into Luke Keekley's literal role on the field, he is, um, I mean, he's left from being, you know, that linebacker room with Luke Keekley, And I think that's a big responsibility. And I don't know, I haven't sat with him and watched film, but by all everyone who's talked and from him, um, he's spending a lot of time, you know, I'm sure he did with Luke as well, but continuing that tradition of watching film and, you know, paying attention to those sorts of details. So I think he's someone on this team that is trying to fill, and he said this himself, the kind of Luke Keekly, you know, not exactly, but what Luke Keekly did. So I think he should get that award. That's a good one. Let's go lightning round. Who's best dressed? Colin. No clue. Elena. Um, <laughs> I feel like uh, I, I mean Cam. I mean Cam. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I said Cam. It's definitely Cam. <laughs> I feel like Christian's super obvious, but he um, should. He like should win it. Like if he doesn't win it, something went wrong. I think. He's got that body type that makes everything look good. Ah, I can't stand guys like that. <sighs> he was wearing a girlfriend. <laughs> he was wearing a turtleneck and like those those like uh, like professor style glasses at one point, and it was like, dude. I mean, when you can pull it off, you can pull it off. <laughs> How about uh, worst case of senioritis? I'm looking at some superlatives on my phone. Worst case of senioritis, I would say Russell Okung. <laughs> oh, that's too much. <laughs> who, was in his, who was in his press conference today or yesterday and slipped in his first answer and said, I'm in the last year of my career. Like, yeah. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Someone, I think he, he makes sense. Yeah. There's a competition for that. <laughs> most souls, most school spirit. Did you, did they give those out? Like in, at your high school, did somebody get most school spirit? That almost seems like insulting a little bit. I don't remember that one, but I think yeah. Trey Boston would get it. Yeah. Trey Boston would probably get it. Maybe I feel like, um, like, rules. <laughs> Oh yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> he's got he's got a lot of spirit he's got spirit yes he do he's got spirit how about you what are other superlatives give me a couple more so i've got i'm, I'm looking up some now. uh here we go most likely to be the next oprah or bill gates it says bill gates slash oprah but i thought oprah was more fun um 
see, I don't know. I feel like the problem is, is like, I feel like last year there were a lot of like personalities on the team. And now it's like, you know, I, I think that Dante Jackson might actually make a pretty good Oprah. Like he's guys very talkative, likes to talk to people. Most I'm likely about my JJ Jansen for Bill Gates answer till you took Bill mm, Gates back off the table. That's a great one. That's a really good one. <laughs> you want to talk about finances? Uh, no, thanks, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> most likely to be a politician oh, that one might be might be matt rule as well um all right like kind of a lightweight at this point i would say trey boston <laughs> trey boston is cleaning up in these superlatives i mean he's a you know but he's, he's mad a, he didn't win the hair though like gregarious all guy. the other ones he won all the other ones but the one he cared about the most he didn't get. i think he'd be upset about the wardrobe too that seems like something he would also take personally just like just because he would but. that's a good point i yes. want to believe that pj walker is a great dresser like if your name's pj walker i feel like you should be a great dresser pj walker sounds like a good wrestler name too like couldn't you hear yeah. it over the the jumbotron oh, yeah. like and now pj Actually, that sounds more like a Hornets uh, like a basketball announcer. If you just randomly were like, no. hey, what's oh, that? No. Oh, that's my no. PJ Walker uh, uh, little uh, armband. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, of course, PJ, a guy named PJ Walker has armbands. Little He's got like on it. PJ um, cufflinks. Like that That sounds like a good – that would be – actually, that sounds dope. I hope he does. Almost as good as Easy Ed Davis's in, in <laughs> Do you think that – little baby Ed Davis? Do you think that they um, – do you Glenn think that Davis. they'll still take the pictures of them walking into the stadium if there are no fans there? They'll still have the Coca-Cola runway? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got to have some. Got to yeah. have some. We'll all be wearing masks, hopefully. But <laughs> where, where are the cool masks, too, guys? Like, what are you doing, Carolina Panthers players? Or NFL players, for that matter? Like, now is your time to put some, some stuff some design on your face and instead it's the crappy blue ones that everybody has you know even i had one my my sister-in-law made me one it's like a bandana i thought that was a louis vuitton mask for just a second oh i'm robbing the stagecoach all right we're we gotta go this (laughs) thing is devolved i'm now rooting for teddy bridgewater week one to show up to the stadium wearing a red number one jersey I love it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's play some football. This is what we need. We need some football. All all 80 guys wearing red number one jerseys tomorrow at practice. I'm Spartacus. (laughs) Elena, where can people find you on the internet, World Wide Web's Twitters? Yeah, um, at on Twitter, at Twitter, on Twitter, it's at a Yetzenberg. It's all E's in the last name. Um, it's and all then, E's. All E's. Um, and then charlotteobserver.com, where you can find all our lovely training camp coverage as we continue with this joyous football's here. It's exciting. I'm glad we were, like, I came on and we could actually talk about, like, football. So that's just great. We're trying to limit our COVID talk, like get shorter. The segment gets shorter every time, every episode. We're flattening the curve, baby. We're doing our part (laughs) to flatten the curve. Colin, where can they find you besides your deck with a mask on? 
on Twitter at Colin CLT. Uh, no, no, there's no people on the deck, so there's no masks necessary for the deck. The deck is a no mask zone. It's, it's just, there's no company there. We're responsible. <laughs> We're responsible. We just aren't wearing masks out there. Got it. Joshua? Um, I think Curtis Samuel is the best dancer, and you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. And uh, on Instagram at Josh Klein rules with a Z, but I don't ever post on Instagram because I don't ever leave my house because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So enjoy. Yeah. Uh, There's really no reason to. And also um, best person to be stranded on a desert Island with, I think would probably be, man, I wish Trey Turner was still on this team. Uh, I mean, I got to give it to my guy, man hurts. I was waiting for that. I was waiting. Man hurts. I give him that you would give him like 20 awards most most handsome or is that one most handsome sure it could be that's what i won in high school best podcaster <laughs> most that's handsome terrifying. and best podcaster that's terrifying to be stranded on a desert island with an nfl player like if it gets to the point like you gotta i gotta pick a punter or a kicker or somebody i can take like where's gano when i finally need him you're not taking joey sly dog that's why i finally need gano <laughs> Oh my, this has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network. Elena Getzenberg, your One Day Contract is up. Everyone else, That's we'll see you next week. Wash those hands, wear those masks, stay safe. Snakes and airplane. Lenny Bruce is not a-